Why was the snowman smiling? I don't know. He could see the snowblower coming down the street. That one's a little dirty. Mm-hmm. That's a good one, though. You're getting better. Uh, welcome to the Iron Right Tattoo Podcast. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. What's up? It's Christmas time. What's up? It's. I feel like out of practice because it's been like two weeks since we've done an episode. Yeah, but you know, you know, we got to take a break too. Sometimes that's for sure, for sure. And we'll probably it'll probably be another two week break after this episode, and then I think when we come back, we're officially going to start season two. So that's cool. Nothing I will did. change except yeah. for the number. I didn't know we were doing seasons. Uh, well, on the app that I used to upload, uh-huh. it asks like what episode number and what season and stuff. Like when you're uploading, and everything we've done so far has been season one. So is it going to be season two, episode zero zero one? No. Oh, okay. I think we would do like two o one, right? Yeah, and then two o two. Yeah, and then season three would be like three o one. Each year is a season, but then that'll look tight. Because somebody just randomly like clicking on one will be like, dang, this has been out for 200 episodes, <laughs> you know? Well, I don't know. Do we even do that or do we just... I don't know because then we'll be lying. This is episode 26, which is all about the 25th. So I did that. That was bars, Yeah, dude. Bars. Yeah, you know. But you know. technically that would be lying, though. And you know what they say about but lying. But is it... You know? <clears throat> it, or, or is it just a format for if you want to keep your friends <laughs> you got to keep your promises well, that's not about lying that's about like following through with plans that you make you know what i'm saying and it all comes together at the end it all comes together at the end um let me mess with the levels a little bit here everything like looks real quiet on the like the peaks you know anyway i'm peeking I know, Nate. Every single time I've ever said the word peak, you say, I'm peaking. <laughs> I don't say it like that. It sounds like a little a weird. Like a duck. I'm peaking, getting as I am. Peaking duck. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> ooh, wow. And now we have a huge spike. Thank you. Yeah, okay. you needed that. Uh, let's turn you down. <clears throat> so what's up? It's been a minute. It has. Since we had an episode, a lot's happened in that short amount of time. Um, First thing that comes to mind is the Christmas party. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm still sore. We had the official Iron Right Tattoo Christmas party. We did it at Spare Time, which is a bowling alley slash arcade. Slash go-kart. Yeah, I think they got like bumper cars and go karts, and but we didn't do any of that because, no. like, I mean, it was already dark outside when we got there. Yeah, and it would have been like super cold too. Yeah, well, I I don't think it was that cold that day. Um, we did get to talk to a crack uh, person. Yeah. Um, I think that's the politically correct term, <laughs> crack, crack person. person. Yeah, uh, kept us all very entertained outside. You know. 
good times um, were had by all. We're just a. Uh, uh, are, are you still sore? My left thigh, yes. So Be- my right groin, my right calf, uh-huh. and my right forearm are oh, still sorry. in pain. Yeah. Honestly, I think me and you were doing the most. <clears throat> yeah. Because I was playing two games at the same time. Yeah. So, like, every, I didn't, like, get a break. Because yeah. as soon, like, it'd be my turn on one lane, I'd go bowl, and then as soon as that was over, I'd go bowl against you. Yeah. And then the other lane I was on was just against Cannon. So, like, while I was bowling against you, he was taking his turn, so then I had yeah. to jump back over there. So, over the course of two hours, I probably bowled, like, 10, 11 games. Yeah. Was, and I was sore as crap. It was fun, though. I'm still it was cool to have everybody together. Yeah. It was good, like, uh. What do they call it? Team team building or something like that? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun, though. Corporate and talk. And the day after, uh, I went and had that surgery. Yeah, that's that's crazy. That's monumental. My, yeah, I had some, the port pulled out of my chest. But, like, so my whole body was sore from bowling. And then now my chest is sore. Yeah, I'm just a little beat up. A little beat up. You know, when you think about it, you're kind of like Iron Man. Well, not anymore. Not anymore. You were. Yeah. Uh, I'm less of a bionic man than I was. What's that? Uh, three days ago. You know. If anything, it kind of kind of makes me sad. It does. Just just that I'm less robot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little depressing. No. <laughs> All right. Let's dive into it. I'm gonna be real. I just had my port removed. I've been in remission for over four years. So realistically, I probably should have had my port removed three or four years ago. But I've had a lot of weird anxiety about taking it out. Um, it, I've, had, I've convinced myself in the back of my head that as soon as I had it removed, the cancer is going to come back and I will, like, will have regretted removing it. Yeah. Because I'm going to, like, need it again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <clears throat> and it also, like, it was just in there for so long that, like, it was, I don't know, it became a part of me, you know? In, like, a weird way. Yeah. Of, like, a time that I'd rather I'd rather forget, rather have not gone through, uh, but it was still, like, a big part of me in that time, and it was a big part of 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 what helped me medically at least get through that time Mm -hmm. so it's almost like a a weird uh it's a chapter that i needed to close that for some really weird psychological reason that i can't quite define i I don't think i was ready to close it yet yeah that makes sense so it's like one of those things where like you like you have to do it and you're like kind of scared to do it. Yeah. You know? I mean like it needed to be done. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it needed to be done, but, uh, yeah, it, I mean, it's done now. It's done now. And I'm, I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I did it. <clears throat> so essentially for anyone that doesn't know what a port is, is it's like this piece of metal and rubber, uh, that's probably about the size of a guitar pick. Mm-hmm. and shape of a guitar pick but it's like uh if a guitar pick was like 
a half an inch to three quarters of an inch thick. Okay. And there's like a little rubber sort of uh, indentation on the top of that. And the, the whole, like, so the whole of it is uh, metal, but then there's a rubber circle that sits on the top and that it gets uh, surgically installed into your chest um, under the skin between the muscle. And then it just kind of gets encased in like scar tissue. And then coming out of that metal port is like a catheter tube also inside your chest that will kind of come across and go into your artery down into your heart. Um, And the purpose of that is so that way they can pierce your chest with the uh, needle. It's sort of a needle that sits at like a 90 degree like right angle. And they pierce your chest in into that port. Um to give you the chemo medicine. Uh, and, and the reason behind that is because if they were constantly piercing the, like an actual vein itself, um, they'd be causing a lot of damage to the vein and eventually would like blow the vein out. You know, you'd, you'd have two or three days before that vein would be useless. And um, chemo is like a really long process. You know what I'm saying? So they install that. That way they have something that they can constantly stick day after day after day after day without mm-hmm. causing any damage to your veins. So, yeah, that's what a port is. Had a port, had it in for way too long, had it taken out, and now I'm still, like, in the healing process. Like, I still have uh, – because that was just two days ago. Yeah. Actually, like, <clears throat> almost, like, to the minute two days ago. Two, two, 48 hours ago at this exact time, I was still sitting in a hospital. So and, – and it was quick. It was a quick, um, relatively painless procedure. The worst part was the uh, lidocaine because that it really, really, really burns. Like it feels like somebody holding a lighter to your skin for about 10 seconds and then everything goes numb. Um, I didn't feel the actual procedure, but you are awake for the port removal. So even though I didn't feel anything and I couldn't see anything because they had like a nurse to my left and they asked me to stay looking at her. Um, so that way I wasn't watching them, and so that way, like, my beard wasn't in the way and stuff yeah. like that. Um, <clears throat> but you feel a lot of, like, tugging and pulling and yanking, and you can hear, like, the scalpel scraping against, like, the metal of the uh, – and, and so feeling those sensations – with, with a mixture of knowing what they're doing, you yeah. know, even if I can't see it, I know what's happening. And then I feel like the really hard pulling and everything else. Um, it was freaky. It was something I would have rather not been awake for. I could say that. Yeah, I, I would imagine. Um, and, and again, I didn't feel anything, but your brain makes these weird connections. You know what I'm saying? It's like, um, like VR, okay? The reason people get dizzy uh, when they play VR, especially if it's something they're not used to, is because your brain, your eyes are telling your brain that you're moving through a three-dimensional space. Yeah. But your brain doesn't feel your body moving, and it literally like gets confused. So even though you know it's not real, your brain still tries to make the connection of, the, my eyes are seeing this environment move. Therefore, my body should also be feeling my body move mm-hmm. through the environment. <clears throat> and when it doesn't, uh, it freaks out. You get nauseous. So it's kind of like the same, almost like that. Like I couldn't feel the pain, 
But because I felt other sensations and I knew what they were doing, you my brain was like, it. yeah, my Picture brain was trying brain. to, my brain was trying to make me feel the pain. Yeah. You know? And I had to sit there and really like assess like, okay, do I actually feel anything or do I think I feel something? And I, and you know, I determined that I wasn't actually feeling any of the pain, but uh, it was still like, it was uncomfortable, you know? Oh yeah. I don't doubt it. That uh, and I had did, I had a lot of anxiety going into it. Um, so were you like fighting the urge to like look? Uh, not really, because like I said, they had they had this nurse there to kind of mm. distract me. You know what I mean? Um, and so she was like holding conversations with me as a distraction. You know, like I'm yeah. well aware of what it was. Um, <clears throat> but also on top of that, they had like a almost like a lap cloth, like the blue medical cloth mm-hmm. thing, you know. They had one of those that had like a hole cut out of the middle with like an adhesive around the ring of the hole, and that was like stuck to my chest. So like part of that lap cloth was almost kind of like blocking my face. Uh, and okay. then on top of that, they put more cloths yeah. just for like blood and things like that. I got you. So like half of my fa- – even even if I were to turn my head to you try to look, really I wouldn't have it. seen anything because it would have just been like cloth in, fr- cloth in front of me. I realized every time I cover my mouth, like the microphone, like the microphone wasn't picking up my. Anyway, I gotta stop covering my face, I guess. So I know we were talking about it before. Are you leaning towards more of like making it a Christmas ornament? I think I'm just chain? gonna do a shadow box. That way, it's something that isn't uh, seasonal. Yeah, you I know. <laughs> I mean, the chain would go pretty hard. You think so? Like yeah. a port chain? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know what kind of like how hood like cancer survivor is you know what i'm saying i feel like chain pretty hard but it kind of looks like a like a heart almost yeah the shape of it so i was thinking like i could turn it into like a sacred heart where you print some little flames yeah something because it already has like a post sticking out which is like what the catheter was stuck onto was like that post and the post is coming out of the part that would be like the top of the heart you know so wouldn't be hard to add some little flames to it a little Sacred Heart port cancer Chain. necklace. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't like the idea of that. <laughs> and plus, it's something that I want to yeah. remember. But you don't want to carry it with yeah. you every day. And like, I, I want to be grateful for like uh, the technology that exists to um, like save my life. You know. Yeah. But I also like I don't want cancer survivor to be like my personality yeah like what i'm known for you know what i mean like it's a part of me it was a big part of me and that port i carried with me for five years but it's like i'm more than that and i always find it kind of odd um and and i don't want to speak too harshly because i understand that we all process trauma differently yeah yeah. And, and for some people i think processing trauma in that way might might be help helpful to them yeah but I've, I've always found it kind of odd when people are given like a diagnosis or something and then make that their whole like thing yeah like you go on their social media and it's all about like advocating for this diagnosis and their tiktok is nothing but videos about this diagnosis yeah, and you know what like i mean the whole thing with anxiety you know? sure sure but i mean like even but more I, like I serious the, medical yeah, yeah. you know um and i'm not saying anxiety is not serious but like we all have it yeah like, I hate to say it. If you have anxiety, like you're not special. In 2022, every single person walking has anxiety, and it's because of this computer we carry around. But it's also like, if it helps the trauma, you know, sure, it's not really affecting me. 
<clears throat> sure, yeah. sure. And that's why I say, like, I, I'm not trying to speak too harshly on that, but I don't want to be the kind of person that, like, I used to be a human with thoughts and dreams and hopes and desires and, you know, and, and, and a whole life and a whole personality. And then cancer comes along and then I just like make that my whole thing. Yeah. Like yeah. Guy who had cancer, you know, um, I would almost rather forget about it and have people forget about it than like make that the only thing I talk about. The only time I really enjoy talking about it, um, is when, I wind up interacting with somebody else who has, so who's also, yeah, yeah. Or, or maybe somebody who's going through, who's it. going through, yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, because then I find like, oh, cool, this experience, I'm able to not only relate to this person, but maybe give this person some reassurances that'll make them feel better yeah. because they're kind starting the process, on a personal level, exactly. Um, you know, my testimony, if you will, the shadow boxing could be cool. Yeah, no, you can still do that. Flowers. It's a sacred house, uh, sacred mm-hmm. heart. That's what I was thinking. Some like fake flowers paint, in there. Fucking paint a little backdrop. Put it in the back. Hey, maybe that'd be tight. Maybe, or or maybe I just um, stick it in a drawer. Once every couple of years, I accidentally stumble across it and I go, "Oh, hey!" And it becomes like, a, it, like you know? a movie moment. Yeah, <laughs> and then I have a flashback. Or, yeah. <laughs> Gotta love those times. No, no, I don't. <laughs> And that's what I'm saying. Like, probably one of the hardest things I've ever gone through. No, no, no. I meant like the flashback. No, no, no. For sure, for sure. <laughs> but, but you know, to relate it to what I was talking yeah, to yeah, about people who allow their trauma and diagnosis to become their personality. Like, if anything, I'd rather, I'd rather forget about it. Yeah. Rather than like focus on it every day. Same. You know. Yeah. <clears throat> but anyway, this is the Christmas episode. True. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, speaking of which, we have a special guest today. To my left, your right, uh, Mr. Turbo Man from the 1996 holiday Christmas movie, Jingle All the Way. Uh, it is the licensed Turbo Man, though. It is not the um, Arnold turbo man True. also i just saw who actually put that out yeah did you just see that no i've been knowing that i just saw that apparently the re-release of turbo man was put out by funko because they care i got a lot more respect for them after that uh he does have the light up legs the rock'em sock'em jet <laughs> yeah um and he says a few key phrases like it's turbo time i'm trying to think what else he said <clears throat> i want to take him out of the box so we can like Make the make him talk and stuff, but I don't want to take him out of the box. But the box has also been destroyed. Apparently, like the whole bottom of it has like water damage, and we don't even know where that came from. No, only at Walmart though. <laughs> yes, it is a Walmart exclusive. Speaking of, you got me another Christmas present. Yeah, I this did. year because that's from last year, and yeah. that one also says only available at Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Walmart's only about like. Three minutes away hey, from my house. I'm gonna just say it, dude. Like Walmart's bumping. Oh yeah. There's no other store you can get all your Christmas shopping for everybody done at. You know, True. it don't matter what they want. Oh, this person wants clothes. This person wants um, outdoor furniture. <laughs> yeah. This person wants a lawnmower, and that person wants a Xbox. Boom, one stop shop. You know, honestly, because I oh, went... these people want gift cards. You can get those there too. I went to Target a couple weeks ago, and they're kind of 
branching out more to that, but it's not as expansive. They don't have an Walmart. outdoor section. Yeah, you're right. But they do have outdoor furniture. They don't have uh, power tools. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, there's sure. certain stuff. They're still catering primarily to the... Uh, uh, I'm better than Walmart. Starbucks, female... Ugg boot. Caucasian, you know. Well, they do have a Starbucks in there. That's so, what I'm yeah. saying. White women. That's who they're still primarily catering to. You know what I miss? Kmart. Uh, I can't get there with you. Kmart was ass, bro. <laughs> Let me tell you. I, um, I don't think I've ever so heard the, someone say they miss Kmart. Uh, the one that used to be up the road over here. Yeah, yeah. With the Little Caesars in there. Okay. Nobody remembers this. There used to be a restaurant inside the Target in Killeen. When it was used to be over uh-huh. there, where and it was it was just be. like a nondescript burger joint, like it didn't even have a name. You know what I mean? I think it was called like Burgers. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like a restaurant. Yeah, and those burgers were busting, dude. This was back in the day, way back in the day. Like, I like Target a lot better back then. Yeah, yeah. So where Academy is now, that used to be a Target. Yeah, next to Toys R Us, which is now Ollie's, and then yeah, that whole little Circuit strip. City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Target had a great little burger joint in it, and we would literally go there just to get burgers, like not even shopping at Target. Well, I don't think we, they were. we rarely like ever went to Target. Yeah. Uh, we, I mean, I'm just... I mean, Walmart was right over there. Walmart slaps, dude. I, I hate the hate that Walmart gets. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, it's an internet thing, you know? It is, for sure. It's, it's bougie Target people that think they're better than yeah. people. You think you're better than me? They're the ones on the forums. It's like, people of Walmart. Yeah. Walmart is, is, and that's the thing. And I you bet also, you the ones also going to Walmart. You're entertained while you're there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And see, that's the thing. People that take people of Walmart pictures had to be physically at a Walmart location mm-hmm. to take that picture. You ain't no better. <laughs> you ain't no better. <laughs> Got a good point. You know what I'm saying? Christmas, you can do your whole Christmas decorations at Walmart. Indoor and outdoor. Mm-hmm. You can buy a tree there. You can buy everything you need to decorate the tree. And you can buy, like, inflatables and stuff for your yard. You know what I mean? They got it's those, the like, weird shop. spike. Like, you spike it in the grass, and it just, like, projects, like, LED lights on your <laughs> on your house, you know? Like, the lazy man's <laughs> Christmas decoration. One outlet. <laughs> I can't wait for that time. Like, where we get two... two far into the future to where like christmas like decorations for like outside the house just like throw it on the ground it's just bro i've been getting these ads and they're advertising them as year-round christmas lights but it's basically like these small round like puck lights Mm -hmm. that a company comes out and installs like in your like gutter so they attach to the bottom of the gutter but like all year you can just have like these soft white lights sort of around your house. It's mainly for like rich people, you know. Uh, but there is like an RGB mode for like where when Christmas rolls around, you could like turn them into colored lights or they'll blink or flash or like do the thing where it like lights up in order, you know. So I think we're kind of already getting there. The future. Yeah. But I mean, I, I like the old school. I, I believe they're called C9. 
with the staple gun. Yeah, just like uh the 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 C nine like incandescent lights. Yeah, yeah, C nine. That's it. Like those bad boys, but the colored ones. Yeah, they'd be like solid colors. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, we had. I, those I like those and uh, got them at Walmart. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. That just feels more like Christmas to me. Speaking of which, we moved that Christmas tree, if you're watching the video, uh, and we only broke two ornaments, so that's tight. We. I mean. (laughs) No, I got you. One of us was man enough to move the tree. One of us had to sweep up his mess, you know? (laughs) Teamwork. Well, okay. Melissa Saffron, I love her to death, but she's bougie. So I sent her, this was like three or four years ago, out to go get Christmas decorations for the shop. You know what I mean? I don't even think she was tattooing yet. And and she bought actual glass ornaments in a tattoo shop. You know? And we broke like six or seven of them this year alone. Yeah. Just, just trying to decorate the tree. We were shattering ornaments left and right. It was funny. Anyway. We're going to take a little break. <clears throat> when we come back, uh, I've got actually... A small list. I don't know how much time it's going to take up, but I do have a small selection of Christmas movie conspiracies oh. that I think could be fun to touch on. You know, um, so we'll be right back. I think I'm gonna go go in and add the sound of like uh, little jingle bells, like sleigh bells. <laughs> and so, if you heard those, I did it. If you didn't hear those, I didn't do it. Ching ching ching. There you go. Uh, where? What? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta, I gotta go back. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so you want to hear some Christmas movie conspiracy theories? Yes. I want you to know, for anyone who's an avid listener that's listened to um, most of our episodes, I have chosen to not research any Christmas murders, okay? I'm not going to go down that road, okay? Thank you. Uh, The first one is about the Grinch, okay? Which one, the cartoon or the 2000 live action? It doesn't matter. Okay. It's about the story. Okay. Sassy. So Grinch has a dog, mm-hmm. Max. Mm-hmm. Have you ever considered why the Grinch would have a dog? No. Because the mountain that he lives on, mm-hmm. okay, is also the Whovilles. That's where they dump their unwanted presence. The conspiracy theory is that some crappy little Who actually dumped Max the dog in the in the city dump after Christmas because they didn't want him. And that's how the Grinch came to have a dog. Dang, that's sad. Isn't that sad? It puts a whole different twist on like who the who's are. 
You know what I'm saying? Maybe well, they're not. I think the you know? who's is a play on another word. Because <laughs> they, uh, you know. But if you think about it, especially in, in terms of like the live action one, the Jim Carrey one, mm-hmm. like the Who's were like kind of crappy. Yeah, they were. You know what I'm saying? Like they weren't these cheery, happy little uh, Christmas people. And now, you know, because it's never been addressed. Yeah. How, why does the Grinch, this cold, heartless character, have a dog, you know? And you know, every iteration of the Grinch Max is always a cute dog. He was he was a who's trash. Literally, they dumped a live animal in the city dump because they didn't want him. Let that sink in. Kind of makes me want to cry. Kind of makes me want to research a Christmas murder. <laughs> <laughs> um, Santa's sleigh, Goldberg. <clears throat> Frosty. You want to hear a conspiracy about Frosty? Yeah. Uh, by the way, I found this article on the Alternative Press, believe it or not. That's odd. Frosty the Snowman is actually a demon created by naughty children. Apparently, the children even use dark magic to bring the evil spirit to life. If you listen closely to the classic song depicting his birthday, theory uh, starts to make a little bit more sense. <clears throat> It doesn't elaborate for some reason, and that kind of pisses me off. I want to know what lyrics they're talking yeah, about. Yeah, you know what I mean. Can we look up Clotub? Uh, <laughs> um, Frosty the Snowman lyrics. Frosty the Snowman was a jolly, happy soul with a corn cob pipe and a button nose, two eyes made out of coal. Uh oh, here you go. Listen, Frosty the Snowman. Is a fairy tale, they say. He was made of snow, but the children know how he came to life that day. That does sound kind of ominous, right? A little bit. <clears throat> uh, yeah. I want to see if it, but he came to life one day. Um, I don't know. So he said, let's run and we'll have some fun now before I melt away. Yeah, I don't know. So anyway, he's a demon. Kids did black magic. That's how they know. Uh, so Santa from the Santa Claus. Tim Allen? Is actually a wizard from Harry Potter. What? The whole Santa coming down the chimney thing is clearly just a muggle conspiracy to cover up the fact that Santa is a wizard Traveling by flu powder, which I guess is something that they did in the Harry Potter universe. I'm not super, uh, <clears throat> Santa coming down the chimney, muggle explanation of a wizard traveling by using flu powder might suggest that Santa is a wizard from the Harry Potter universe. While this theory isn't just describing Santa from the Santa Claus with Tim Allen, it does encourage us to watch the way the film depicts Santa's magical abilities because, mm-hmm. I guess in, if you watch the movie with Tim Allen, mm-hmm. um, like literally like the chimneys like are created in like especially houses that don't have chimneys, you know, mm-hmm. like the whole thing like expands and everything and then he goes down and then inside the house like a chimney appears on the wall or like a fireplace appears on the wall and it like stretches until it's like human size. And I guess that's like the same way that the flu powder works in Harry Potter. 
like visually, like from a filmmaking perspective. So yeah, I, I don't. I, I and none can't of these, say none much. of these are deep. These are like stupid internet. Like conspir- yeah, yeah, it's like it's not even like a conspiracy. It's like uh, one Reddit user posted this. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, buddy from Elf, Will Ferrell, mm-hmm. is a creep. <laughs> This one has a relatively long explanation. Um, Let me read the shortened version, and if it's interesting enough, we'll read the long one, okay? Uh, While Elf is one of the most beloved feel-good holiday movies, one Reddit user believes Will Ferrell's lovable character has a dark, perverted secret. They suggest that Buddy is secretly a peeping Tom who projects himself as an innocent elf to get away with dark deeds. All right, yeah, we got to read into this. Okay, this is kind of long. Bear with me, guys. Elf, Buddy, is not as innocent as you think and really is a pretty perverted peeping Tom, among other things. Elf is one of the better Christmas comedies out there due to its almost genuine innocent humor and unique take on the Christmas holiday. Buddy seems pretty innocent in everything he does, too, except for one part that sticks out like a sore thumb to me. About midway through the movie, Buddy hears Zoe Deschanel's character singing from inside the locker room elsewhere in the store. He goes to investigate because, well, she's singing a Christmas song and he loves Christmas. It turns out that she's actually singing in the shower, and Buddy begins to sing along with her. When she notices, she obviously freaks out and yells at Buddy to get out, who immediately clasps his hands over his eyes and makes a mad rush to the door only to hit a locker. But afterwards, Zoe Deschanel confronts Buddy and asks him why he was in the ladies' locker room while she was naked in the shower. Buddy replies by saying, I didn't know you were naked in the shower. Ha ha, elves don't understand showers. Buddy is so innocent. Joke landed. Except, Buddy does know what a shower is. And he most certainly knew she was naked. We get this scene earlier in the movie while Buddy is still in the North Pole. Buddy might not be the smartest guy, but he most certainly does know what a shower is and just how naked one has to become to take one. So what conclusion are we left to draw? Buddy, the sicko as he is, (laughs) was actually trying to peep on Zoe while she was in the shower. I also like how the original author of this reddit post refers to will ferrell as buddy but does not refer he just refers to zoe deschanel's character as zoe, zoe. Deschanel, yeah. yeah and i don't even know what her name is in the movie um either it begs the question what else has buddy played off with his innocence here he br- and and when it says here it's like a hyperlink you can click on it Uh, Here, he brutally injures multiple children on their way home from school. Here, he uses obsession with syrup to get horribly shit-faced on the job. And here, he uses his so-called innocence to verbally abuse a man with a disability. I'm assuming that's when he's calling Peter Dinklage a South Pole elf. Yeah. (laughs) You know? I'm sure there are others. If I were to dig deep enough, Buddy is not the man you all thought. He is a demented man-child that's using his innocence to live out sick fantasies of abuse and sexual desire. And then it goes on to say, it should be mentioned that I'm totally joking here, and this was just an amusing idea I had on the toilet. That was written by Batfan54. In the r slash fan theories subreddit, <clears throat> it, I mean, yeah, that's it, a reach, you know. It is, but it. I mean, 
But that's where the comedy comes from. Yeah. It's like the, oh, he doesn't know better. And he's like doing these horrible things. Because wasn't the whole thing innocent. was he was in the North Pole the whole time and then he's he goes to human. New York. Yes. So he's a human that dad. grew up in the North Pole thinking he was an elf. And then that's when Santa or maybe it was the head elf like drops the bomb on him. that like, hey, you're not actually an elf. You're a human. Your dad's from a magical city called New York or whatever. Yeah. And then, yeah, he goes through the sugarcane forest and the you know bubblegum lollipop whatever yeah that's the whole like premise yeah you know um anyway that one's kind of funny though whoa i also i didn't pre-read any of these okay so we're all experiencing this together like i read the first one You're like, oh, and i was like oh, this could be a good article sure that'll work the santa claus is about cannibals uh Okay, it looks like so the way that they organize this uh website mm-hmm. is like they have a very small snippet that gives like their like summary of what the theory is. But it looks think. like yeah, it looks like you would have like here it shows a uh Twitter thread and it shows the first mm-hmm. two and then it says read yeah. thirty two replies. So I think it's like literally like a thirty two long Twitter post. I don't know how that works. But uh, let me, okay. Another theory about Alan's The Santa Claus franchise is about the way the film depicts the life cycle of Santa Claus. To some, it suggests the elves are engaging in cannibalism. Yes, this person believes the family-friendly Christmas film features elves who cook people into cocoa that is enjoyed all over the North Pole. How festive. Is this a, is this a, a Twitter thread we want to go down? Because I can I want to hear the logic and reasoning behind okay. this theory. It starts because I'm assuming it starts as a reply to a previous Twitter because it start or tweet. It starts by saying good guesses from everyone, but pull up a chair for a truly seasonal hot take. The most horrific Christmas film or rather trilogy is the Santa Claus. Oh, yes. Uh, this was written by a Twitter user named Hannah Priest uh, at she wolf. M-A-N-C. I don't know. I'm not talking about what happens to Scott Calvin and his transformation into Santa or the fact that S-C-I-I, so I'm thinking Santa Claus 2, belongs to the Santa finds a wife subgenre, which is always creepy as hell. To recap, when Santa falls off the roof, Scott Calvin puts on his suit and instantly becomes the new Santa. It's all fun and frolics, and the elves explain that this is the Santa Clause, with an E. You know, clause as in, like, mm-hmm. a legal sentence. The creepiness begins early on because the roof Santa actually dies on screen quite slowly, and that's the only reason Scott can take the role. None of the elves at the North Pole mourn the dead Santa. Bernard just refers to him as the other Santa and shrugs it off. They just cold-heartedly accept that Roof Santa is gone, and now they work with Scott. It's not just humans, though. Elves disappear after hundreds of years, and no one cares. In Santa Claus 1, Judy says she spent the last 1,200 years perfecting her cocoa recipe, but she's nowhere to be seen in Santa Claus 2. She's just casually replaced with another cocoa maker and never mentioned again. And let's take a minute to consider Bernard. He's a huge part of Santa Claus 1 and Santa Claus 2, but he's just absent in Santa Claus 3. Curtis is now elf number one, and no one mentions Bernard. 
but this is far from the worst bit. Trust me, I've got so much more. In Santa Claus 2, Curtis and Bernard discover the Mrs. Clause, which dictates that Santa must be married. They'd never heard of this before, and the Council of Legendary Figures also know nothing about it. Curtis specifically says that he has been working with Santas for 900 years and that this clause hasn't come to his attention before. The obvious and chilling implication of this is that all previous Santas were married at the point when they donned the suit and invoked the Santa Claus, or they lasted less than a year before dying slash invoking the escape clause. So where are the wives? Dear God, what happens to the wives? When Roof Santa dies, it's a matter of hours before Scott gets to the North Pole to take over, but there is no sign of a recently bereaved Mrs. Claus. What happened to her? In Santa Claus 3, we see the Hall of Snow Globes, which has one globe for every Santa. There's about 50 to 60 globes in there. That's 50 to 60 former Santas who are presumably all married. 60 Santas over the history of Christmas means that the average life expectancy for a Santa is just over 33 years. Some of them will have lived at the North Pole for much longer. And as we find out from Santa Claus 3, Santas are fertile in this universe, so Buddy Claus may not have been the first baby to be born at the North Pole. So where are the babies? Where are the wives? There are potentially 60 women unaccounted for in this film series, and the elves never even mention them. I think there's a clear hint, though, in Santa Claus 3. To quote Bud Newman on entering the elves' kitchen, how come the oven in the kitchen is bigger than the delivery room? Why would the elves need a massive oven? Santa delivers toys, not baked goods. Now think about how wryly the elves smile whenever someone comments on the flavor of their cocoa. The elves are clearly baking women, and possibly children, in their oven, then using the bodies to make ceremonial cocoa, which they, feed, they then feed to future Santas. And that, my friends, is why the Santa Claus is the most horrific Christmas film ever made. So there's that. Um, uh, how I like that? fan theories because you know there's like there's no truth to them, but they yeah. always compile like enough evidence that yeah, it makes a compelling like, argument. You know, yeah. you're like, dang, uh, that was definitely and that, okay, that was from 2017. Okay, yeah, so, so it's that way was, before that new show yeah, came yeah, out. Yeah. But you gotta wonder. But, but they brought Bernard back. But the new show is also trying to answer weird questions about the wives and stuff like mm -hmm. that, you know? Because uh, Scott Calvin, Tim Allen's character, have you watched the new show at I all? I haven't watched it yet, no. His wife, like, comes to realize that she doesn't have a first name. Yeah, like in the show. Like, she's like... I'm just Mrs. Claus. Like, I don't even have a first name. Do you know my first name, you know? And he, like, kind of makes something up. But it seems like this show, literally, there's, like, multiple segments where they're trying to answer those, answer some questions. Also, there's one thing. It's, like, a throwaway joke. But I'm kind of surprised because Tim Allen's super conservative. There's a part where the elves are dancing. They're doing this dance number because Tim Allen decides – Spoiler alert, that he doesn't want to be Santa anymore and he's leaving, right? And so they hold up a sign that says, like, we love you, Santa. Yeah. But man. it's like, it's, they stand in the wrong order accidentally yeah. and it says, like, we love you, Satan. And then yeah. they go, like, oops, and, like, fix it, you know? But I don't know. Maybe there is something dark going on in the North Pole, you know? 
Who knows? I think that also, I don't know if it was answered in the previous movies because it's been so long since I've seen them, but Bernard's not full elf. And that's why what, he's, he's like aging. half human or something. Yeah, 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 that's why he looks older. They brought him back, but they he... probably just had to write that because the actor was aging. Yeah, like wait, well, he wasn't in the third movie. Yeah, and then they brought him back because you know nostalgia. Sure, member berries. Uh, all right, you ready for the next one? Yeah, and this is one I've heard before, but I've always thought it was a really good theory. <clears throat> Kevin from Home Alone grew up to be Jigsaw from Saw. <laughs> yeah. I've heard this Unfortunately, story. this one does not go in depth as the last one. I wish it did because I've heard this theory before. I don't remember like the specifics, but I remember it being a compelling argument. Uh, one writer at Grantland has a pretty amazing Home Alone theory for horror lovers that mischievous little Kevin grows up to be the sinister jigsaw from the Saw movies. Think about it. Kevin is troubled, has violent tendencies, and records videos at home. The theory is quite a rabbit hole but will totally change the way you view films from both franchises in the future. And yeah, but like it says that, uh, but there's no like hyperlink for me to click to like see the expanded version. So I guess if that's a theory that you find interesting, you can dig Look into it, it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Gus from Home Alone, Home Alone. Which one was Gus? He's one of the two. Marv. Okay. Marv is the tall one with the crazy mm-hmm. hair. So I think Gus is the short, right? Joe Pesci. Oh, no, no, no. Gus Polanski, John Candy. Oh, you remember the guy yeah. in the airport that's in the polka band? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Gus from Hove Alone is the devil. <laughs> so if you remember the original Home Alone, there's a part where the mom is trying to get home. And she winds up hitching a ride with a polka band that's traveling across country because all the airlines, I think, are down or they're just yeah. full or something like that. Uh, during a Christmas movie marathon, I started... Oh, shit. What is that? It, like a pop-up. Uh, I started rewatching Home Alone 1. The movie is filled with great memories and scenes, but one thing that I think has been overlooked is that Kate McAllister actually sold her soul to go home to Chicago. First, let me point out the scene about the, it says 104 mark, so I'm assuming that's an hour and four minutes. Notice in this scene, just as she says, if I have to sell my soul to the devil himself, it is that we now see Gus take notice of Kate and approach her before the airline rep can further help her in any way possible. So what makes me think he is the devil or a deal demon? Something in like a, in terms of like a, like a crossroads devil, you know, like yeah. the, the old story of the blues mm-hmm. guitarist who like sold, sells his soul at the crossroads. Yeah. A deal demon. My evidence is the location, the Scranton airport, more specifically the crossroads located right at the airport. At this point, I want to point out the myth regarding the crossroads demon. In a nutshell, it means that you can give an offering to the devil, in this case her soul, near a crossroads. The devil will show up and deliver it in exchange for the offering. It is after this scene that Gus offers Kate a ride to Chicago, to what she was willing to sell her soul for, to which she agrees to, essentially selling her soul. It is at this moment Gus smiles and points out to his friend renting the van, showing her he is honoring his side of the deal since she already put up her side. 
it is here where he said, where she says yes. In the next scene, we see that she did in fact accept the ride. One last piece of evidence that I have found is Gus' choice of instrument. Sure, it's not as obvious as a fiddle. Instead, it's a woodwind instrument. There are some references in the Bible that one of the instruments are created and favored by the devil. My understanding, at least, it is a bit of a silly one, but enough to make you think. Also from the r slash fan theory subreddit that was written by Drew Gar. I think that's one of those things where, like, it was the joke that suddenly, like, he shows up and he's like, oh, yeah, I'll offer you this mm-hmm. and that, you know. But I'm trying to think what happens to her in the second movie. Yeah. If it ever... But I mean, like, if she, if that was true, she would still be allowed to, like, live a normal life. But when she dies, like, yeah, he's coming to collect. <laughs> feel me? The homeless man in the Polar Express stays on the train for a reason. There are many theories about the homeless man from the Polar Express around the Internet, one being that he's related to the conductor, which is why he stays on the train. Given his limited screen time, we'll never know the truth, but it does help humanize the conductor and change his dynamic. A Twitter thread. I never watched Polar Express. Uh, I've seen it. I strongly dislike it. They did mocap animation. so Yeah, the animation did... is what kills me. Well, yeah. And it it's hurts the my same eyes. that they did in uh, Mars Needs Moms. I don't know if you ever saw that either. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same style of animation, so they motion captured everything, mm-hmm. which is why it it winds up having that um, uncanny valley thing, mm-hmm. where like it's a little too realistic, you know? Because like Pixar movies, right? Like the characters move like cartoons, yeah, you know. But like in Polar Express and in Mars Needs Moms, like they move a little too human because they actually just recorded a human moving and put that data like on yeah. a wireframe skeleton of a computer animated character. And so it uh, it, it just looks really uncomfortable. <clears throat> uh, I don't even feel like digging into that one because screw Polar Express. And screw anyone out there listening that likes Polar Express. <laughs> it's an ass movie. You uh, clearly don't like Christmas. Yeah, the book's great. The book's great. And I wish they had done it, you know, but it makes sense. Tom Hanks is in it. Yeah. Tom Hanks and a bunch of kids. Do your research, people. Red shoes. (laughs) Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is Donner's bastard son. (laughs) All right. Just for fun, this is based on Romeo Muller's screenplay for the 1964 Rankin Bass Christmas special. <clears throat> Rudolph doesn't look like his mom or dad. Where did he get that red nose from? Shouldn't his mom or dad have that nose as well? Well, all of the other reindeer find out about Rudolph's nose. Santa's reaction is to get mad at Rudolph's father, Donner. You should be ashamed of yourself. Why should Donner be ashamed of himself? Just because he tried to hide the nose? The rejection of Rudolph is extreme, even extending to Santa and the adult reindeer coach. From now on, gang, we won't let Rudolph join in any reindeer games, right? Along with his dad, to some extent. You could argue that the culture of the North Pole was simply to reject and exclude misfits. But Hermie the Elf wasn't rejected as extremely as Rudolph, even though he was a misfit. Hermie was terrible at his job. He was only rejected after refusing to work and support the other elves at toy making, not to mention singing in the tenor section. 
Rudolph, on the other hand, is great at reindeer things, leaping and prancing with great talent, but he's rejected almost with religious fervor. You could even argue that it's a racial allegory, with Rudolph's birth being biracial. An example of the extreme nature of alienation from the adults is Clarice's dad refusing to let Rudolph even be seen with Clarice. Why would a red nose inspire such hate in an adult? The following exchange is curious. Clarice says, Papa? Clarice's dad says, you get back to your cave this instant. <laughs> Clarice says, but I, I, Clarice's dad, this instant, young lady. Clarice, yes, sir. Clarice's dad. There's one thing I want to make very plain. No doe of mine is going to be seen with a red-nosed reindeer. <laughs> it is starting to sound pretty like yeah. old-school racist dad type stuff. The only explanation is that the red nose is like a scarlet letter. Rudolph is an illegitimate child, a bastard, an unclean birth, and the red nose is probably from a well-known <laughs> deer prostitute. Every adult recognizes Rudolph as a whore's son and prejudices the children against him. So whose child is he? Donner's or his mom's? I say Donner's shame at his son and Santa's anger at Donner is evidence that it's Donner's illegitimate child. Rudolph's nose is a constant reminder of his own infidelity. Why do I think it isn't his mom's illegitimate child? Because aside from Santa's anger at Donner, note Rudolph's mom says... Well, we'll simply have to overlook it after Rudolph's birth. It seems Rudolph's mom is good at overlooking the imperfections of others, including her husband's infidelities, perhaps with prostitutes. <laughs> the idea of a prostitute reindeer in the North Pole is absolutely <laughs> killing me right now. That isn't, a, there, that isn't a birth scene. It's a scene of Donner after bringing back his bastard, like Eddard and John. In Game of Thrones, when Rudolph <laughs> runs away with Hermie, Donna refuses to let his wife go, saying this is man's work. Rudolph is his handiwork, his child, and a result of a man's actions. This makes me think it's probably a, this guy really uses the word whore a lot. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to say a hooker and not another woman who got pregnant with Donna's child. Donna's guilt and sense of responsibility make him want to rescue Rudolph. If it wasn't his son, Donner would, A, know it wasn't his son because of the nose and would therefore, B, not care about Rudolph as much as he does. The only person who refers to Mrs. Donner as Rudolph's mom is Rudolph. The narrator only refers to her as Mrs. Donner. Meanwhile, the narrator, who seems to be all-knowing, says the following lines, Donner being Rudolph's son. It was springtime, and Santa's lead reindeer, Donner, had just become a proud papa. He also says, Now you can bet old Donner felt pretty bad about the way he treated Rudolph, and he knew that the only thing to do was to go out and look for his little buck. Donner claims to value self-respect, but doesn't instill any in Rudolph, instead choosing shame and hiding. Why would a red nose prevent Rudolph from being proud of who he is and not having self-respect if A... Rudolph was a product of sin. B, Donner was talking about himself. Hiding Rudolph's nose is a way of hiding evidence of his sin from the world and maintaining his self-respect. That's why he says to Rudolph, after he hides his nose with mud, there are more important things than comfort. Self-respect. 
As you can see, there's plenty of evidence that Rudolph is Donner's illegitimate child. The subtext of this is not only one of religious intolerance and Puritanism, but also of racial prejudice. Rudolph is a mixed-race child like George Harriman, brought up in an intolerant and judgmental society, and his red nose, symbolic of guilt and the blood of Christ, is visual evidence of sin, like Hawthorne's scarlet letter. In this way, Arthur Rankin Jr., Jules Bass, Larry Romer, Kizo Nagashima, Romeo Muller, and Robert May wrote not just a timeless children's stop-motion animation classic, but also an important story about the importance of acceptance and tolerance for those that are different. R slash fan theory subreddit and the original author has since been deleted. That was written 10 years ago. And apparently, I like the uh, concept that not only is Rudolph an illegitimate child, but that his red nose is a metaphor, an allegory for the blood of Christ. <laughs> that is absolutely insane. But there's also like, like they did their research. There's yeah. a lot of evidence, yeah. you know, yeah. like uh, I can't. I can't fully disagree <laughs> given the amount of evidence that they showed. But can we talk about the fact that for this entire theory to be accurate, there has to be reindeer prostitutes in the North Pole? And what and why was this original author so hell-bent that it was a prostitute? Not just another female reindeer. You know, that was one of those reindeer games that were never talked about. Maybe, what if he's just like a furry <laughs> and that was just like fan fiction? You know, well, you saw that it, the original author was deleted. <clears throat> That's true. So when the uh, CIA read that article, <laughs> they found that man. <laughs> the truth about the North Pole's coming out. We got to take him out. All right, this is the last one on this article. And then I know you had written some stuff down that you wanted to talk about yeah. too. Um, all. Tim Burton films are one big story, which I had heard before. We talked about how Frank and Weenie and then Corpse Bride and then Nightmare Before Christmas are all the same character. Like, yeah, that's so, a theory. So it's, it's like he has uh, a dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's like him as a kid with his dog, him mm -hmm. as an adult with his dog, and then him and his dog in the afterlife or whatever. Uh, and hopefully I didn't just spoil it, but I think I did. Tim Burton Film Connections. Okay, so my apologies if this has been, and this one's a lot shorter than the last one, okay? My apologies if this has been posted about before, but I've come to a conclusion that Tim Burton's animated stop-motion movies are actually all centered around the same character at different stages. Yeah, that's what we were just talking about. So I'm just going to jump right into it. <clears throat> uh, Frank and Weenie Victor, the main, main character, attempts to resurrect his dog Sparky, not labeled as spoilers because all of this is in the trailer. Then in Corpse Bride... The main character, also named Victor, encounters his skeletal dog, Scraps, in the afterlife. Now, while the dog may have changed names, it isn't completely unbelievable that he may have renamed it later on or after its resurrection to represent how it is essentially Scraps put together. Finally, we get to Jack Skellington, a new and possibly renamed character who bears a striking, if exaggerating, resemblance to Victor and his lanky appearance. Jack also is closely followed by his dog, now a ghost, as the majority of its body is decomposed. It could be that, after Victor dies, he may have become more and more a part of the afterlife until he finally becomes the spectral Jack. 
This is just some thoughts on the movie, so please don't hold me to it. What are your thoughts? Was I completely off base? R slash fan theories 10 years ago. Weird. I think we've actually discussed that one before, and I yeah. would have to give even the smallest of shits about Tim Burton movies in order mm-hmm. to care about that theory. So that's what I got. I, f- I thought that article was interesting. Yeah, I and, can kind of uh, see that last one coming together. Sure, but where are the reindeer prostitutes? That's <laughs> what I need to know. Is it truly a Christmas movie maybe without... They're, maybe they're in the red light district. Mm. <laughs> the red nose district. <laughs> yeah, you think that's what they call it? <laughs> um, I didn't really have much. but no, no, um, sure. Well, that article took a long time to get through anyway, yeah. so... Um, uh, always around Christmas time, it, uh, my fascination with uh, Krampus is always sure running through. I always thought that was that like a, might be because of your Germanic heritage, yeah, possibly. Um, might be because your mother is Krampus, <laughs> could be <laughs> not confirmed, <laughs> not denied. Uh, but I've always been fascinated about that. Um, I wanted to bring up what, so you know how you kind of have like three different stages in your life? Like you have a little kid, like teenager, an adult. Uh-huh. What was the best Christmas present you got as a kid, <sighs> teenager, and an adult? Because it kind of Nintendo. Changes. Okay, what year is that? Uh, It was the year the Super Nintendo came out. I can't remember specifically. Do you remember how old you were? I was I was a child. I was probably like six. You know Sorry. what I mean? Um. That was definitely the best present from, like, kiddom. Mm-hmm. The other two are much harder to place. You know what I mean? Because yeah. as an adult, um, I'm really difficult to shop for because I just buy myself yeah. things that I want. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so that's hard. That's hard to, you know, I take that back. This is going to be, like, uh, cheesy, metaphorical, whatever. But uh, my son... I I literally went and picked him up from, so what happened was you're supposed to foster a child in the state of Texas for six months before you can legally adopt them, okay? Um, He had a foster family, and it was literally Christmas time, and we were not supposed to be able to move him into our house until after the new year, Mm -hmm. but uh, some strings were pulled, and we literally got to move into our house like a couple days before Christmas, so it was like his first Christmas with us. He had literally only been living with us for, and I think it was even supposed to be like, he was just supposed to be there for a few days. We were going to spend Christmas with him and then he had to go back. But then at the end of that few days, we were able to just go pick his stuff up and move him into our house. So, um, as an adult, like, you know, that, you know, it's not something that's like in wrapping paper, yeah. what you traditionally think of as a gift, but we weren't supposed to get him until a few weeks after the new year. And we wound up getting him like a couple days before Christmas. So, uh, you know, that's, that's really cool. Like you can't yeah, quantify that, yeah. you know, um, in my like teenage years, I don't, I don't have any like crazy standout memories. Really? Yeah. Yeah, and that's not to say that I like didn't receive awesome stuff, you know, but like even even <clears throat> as a kid, as a young adult, stuff like that. If I wanted something bad enough, I just worked hard, saved money, yeah. and went and got it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I wasn't, I was never satisfied with like the oh, well, just ask for it for Christmas. You know, I'd be like that's two months away. I want it now. 
you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, even, like, the, like, when the Nintendo 64 came out, you know? Like, I mowed lawns. M- me and my brother, like, put our money together. Yeah. We went out in the middle of the summer and bought it, you know? Uh, so, I don't think I really have an answer for teenage, Josh. I got you. Do you? I feel like um, you asked the question. You should yeah. have answers ready. As a little kid, um, I would say... I want to say I was like eight or nine, maybe even seven. I got my very first guitar. It was like a Ibanez Geo mm. like starter kit. I think I might have gotten a guitar as a Christmas present. It was like a when I was like maybe like thirteen. Mm. Okay, continue. Sorry, and it was like a double cutaway. Came with like a little practice amp and everything. So I would say that's like my kid one. Uh, Reach Warlock. Just throwing that out there. Uh, teenager one, I would say, like when I got my 360, which like I kind of like worked to get. Yeah, it's just um, what I'm saying. I never got anything strings. like that for Christmas. Like yeah. I, I earned it and bought it. You know. Well, what I did was I sold like my PS2, my GameCube. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mowed the grass. And was able to like, oh, can I can I go with you to go pick it up, take a look at yeah. it, you know? And then uh, got Gears of War with it and like just held the case the whole drive home <laughs> looking <laughs> at it. Um, and then uh, as it was stored away in my parents' closet, I would pretend to be sick, stay home. And while nobody was home, I would open it and play it. Really? Yeah, it was bad. Yeah, but you were able to repackage it where it looked yeah. unopened? That's yeah. That's pretty I, impressive. I, I told my, my mom years later as I grew up. Dang. Um, I, I definitely did a lot of the, like, snooping in the closets and, you know, yeah. I did a lot of that. I think that's just typical for, like, any kid, honestly. Yeah. Um, as an adult, um, kind of cliche to say, but um, I didn't receive anything. It was more of me giving Christmas to my son when he was, like, two. Sure. Um, he was very obsessed with uh, Toy Story at the time, and I <laughs> bought him, uh, like, Woody, but he was, like, like the actual Woody had yeah. like stuffed like his arms. Snake in my and, boots yeah. And, yeah. And on the bottom of his boot, I wrote Luke. Yeah, instead of Andy. Yeah. That's cool. It had like the backwards K. Yeah. To kind of make it like it. And then same thing with Buzz, wrote Luke on it. It had Andy on one boot, and I was like kind of really pissed off about that because like. Oh, Luke like it was, came with Andy yeah, already on it? Like, you you know? should have done like uh, in the second one where it's got like the old. The old man that like oh, repairs yeah, the toys, over like, yeah. paints over it. Yeah, that would have been a little more authentic. Yeah, that's uh, really cool. wasted a prime. Uh, anyway, do you have an adult one? That was that, my that adult, was your adult one. one. Yeah, yeah, and then teenage was three sixty and what and the guitar. Yeah, um, you had more stuff you wanted to talk about. Uh, yeah. So, um, is it if <sighs> I'm one of those people that watches like I have a guilty pleasure it, of like it. top five or top yeah. ten, you know, list, and I'm like. Okay, watchmojo.com yeah um watchmojo's been on my youtube history for quite a few years see i have the same but it's just chills <laughs> number 15 burger king foot lettuce <laughs> um and this was uh posted like i think last year the okay. top five christmas movies it like just like literally just pissed me off instantly as they kept on going on. Like the, the um, movies they pick? Yeah. Is, okay. Um, it didn't even crack the top five. But are they just going with like the cliche options, you know? Kind of. Okay. Um, What's number one, A Christmas Story? No. Um, 
It's a Wonderful Life. They had, I forgot about this movie, and it's definitely one of my favorites, uh, A Muppet's Christmas yeah. Story. I love that one. Muppet Christmas Carol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With, uh, Slaps. it has, um, Gonzo Michael is like the, Yeah, yep, like Michael, yeah. Um, Got the ghosts. So they're top five movies. Such uh, a good movie. Yeah, it is. Uh, number five was Miracle on 34th Street. Yeah, boring. Old black and white. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They always go with the cliche, like, cop-out yeah, answers, yeah. you know? Number four was Christmas Carol, 1938. Come on. Yeah. Um, Nobody watching that dusty ass. <laughs> <laughs> Number three was a Charlie Brown Christmas. Granted, it's yeah, a it's cool. good one, but, but I don't it, think I, it's top five. You see what I'm saying? It's just like, it's like a cliche. It's like these are the ones we're supposed to pick. Yeah. You know? Um, number two was Christmas Story. And then, of course, in... Uh, Typical Watch Mojo fashion, they have honorable mentions before they reveal number one. Um, and the first one they've revealed for honorable mentions was Jingle All the Way, and I literally wanted to beat the shit out of my TV. That is number one, period, all time. You best know what? Christmas all right, just movie. what's their number one? And then throw your phone away, and me and you are going to discuss our top five. How about that? It's a Wonderful Life, was number I told one. you. I knew it. Four out of those five, or it's, it's just three out of those five. The cliche are, options, yeah. you know. I I never watch any of those. You know why? Because they're I, no. I do. I have seen them. I enjoy them, but it's just like the it's like the cop out answer. You know what I mean? Where's a uh, Four Christmases with Vince Vaughn? You know, that where's that on the that list? That was honorable mention. Was it Jingle um, All the Way is number one by far? We got Turbo Man in the audience. Yeah, I right think now. He, I think he's uh, very frustrated. What do you think, Turbo Man? I, uh, <laughs> they're worried about it being Christmas time. Yeah. They need to focus on the fact that it's Turbo time. You yeah. know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're going to take a small break, small ad break. Uh, we're already at like an hour and 10 minutes. And then when we come back, we're going to discuss our top five Christmas movies. And then we'll uh, we'll start wrapping up this episode. Okay. Be right back. Ho, ho. Hey, Josh here. Just a quick reminder, if you're enjoying the Iron Right Tattoo podcast, it really helps us to beat the algorithm with likes, comments, and shares. If you haven't subscribed already, please do that, and don't forget to hit that bell. And if you haven't already done so, please leave us a review. Thanks. We back, <clears throat> and we have compiled our top five Christmas movies, and these are my real picks, not some bullshit watch mojo. This is what I think <laughs> my pick is supposed to be, to be politically correct in the realm of Christmas movies. I'm going to start at the bottom, work my way up. All right. Deck the Halls. Matthew Broderick, Danny DeVito have a neighborly battle over a Christmas light decoration outside their house. That is a good one. I love that movie. And I don't particularly love Matthew Broderick or Danny DeVito. Yeah. I think they're kind of overrated. But 
that movie just works. Meshes. What's your number five? Well, my, yeah, let's do the back and forth thing. Let's okay. do that. My number five, I just watched it like last week. Okay. Jack Frost with Michael Keaton. That's a good one. Really good one. That's a good, good one. father-son story. Mm-hmm. And he's like a rock star. Yeah. Like of the town. Like, that's pretty tight. It is. Then he gets turned into a snowman by mm-hmm. demon magic we have discovered. <laughs> and that movie always like made me sad when I watched it when I was a kid. But sure. at the end, I was like, oh, yeah, this is a good movie. Maybe it's like on a subconscious level, you were debating your own relationship with your father. Yeah. <laughs> Number four for me. The Santa Claus. Really? Yes. I love that movie. Uh, I love Tim Allen. Yeah. I would have to give it to the first one. I debated putting the the Santa Claus, like the whole franchise, but the first one definitely stands out the most to me. You know what I mean? Um, I thought you were going to throw in like, oh, Home Improvement Season 3, Episode 26. But uh, (laughs) my second favorite sitcom of all time is Home Improvement. I just love Tim Allen. That's the first. Probably Frasier. Okay, I thought I thought home improvement. Home improvement's like like a close second. You know what I mean? And even then, it's like it it depends on my mood. Like I I feel those two can bounce back and forth. You know what I mean? Uh, What's your number four? Uh, My number four is the Santa Claus. That's good. Yeah. That's good. I'm glad we're in agreement. That's not going to be the only thing on our list that we agree on. Yeah. I bet number one is the same. My number three. Okay. Also a Tim Allen movie, Christmas movie. Now, this one's hotly debated because most people actually regard it as a bad movie. But if you really, truly watch it, the way it culminates at the end Mm-hmm. Lessons are learned, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Hearts are melted. It's got that same Grinch kind of vibe. Hearts grow three sizes. I know which one you're talking about. Christmas with the Cranks. Yeah. I love that it's movie. It's so good. I remotely remember renting that movie from Hastings. Christmas with the Cranks is the superior version of Four Christmases. And I like Four Christmases. I'd put it on an honorable mention list, you know? Yeah. Um, But the whole, like... We don't want to celebrate Christmas. We're canceling it. You know, we're going on vacation instead. And then, like, oh, this thing happens, yeah. and now we have to force ourselves to like get in the Christmas spirit and yada yada. Uh, I love, I love Christmas with the Cranks. I love every part of it. Really good Christmas. It's movie. also older than Four Christmases, so Four Christmases is kind of a ripoff. Yeah. Do we need to check the dates? I want to check the dates on that before I, I make a do. I think. Christmas with the Cranks and Deck the Halls came out around the same time. Too. Yeah, yeah, that's like the, like those early two thousands. Okay, Christmas with the Cranks is two thousand and four. Okay, um, let's say Deck the Halls is like two thousand six. Deck the Halls is two thousand and six. She dang, look at but for Christmases is two thousand and eight. So. In fact, Four Christmases is a direct ripoff of the Christmas Tim Allen classic, Christmas with the Cranks. What's your number three? Controversial take. Let's have this argument. Come on. Gremlins. Gremlins is not a Christmas (laughs) movie. Here is my argument. Okay. 
Christmas is not the main driving plot point that permeates the entire film. It is merely a subplot that sets up the film. Okay. B, a sequel exists that has absolutely nothing to do with Christmas. In order for it to be a Christmas movie, it has to be like if, if they make a sequel, the sequel would also have to be about Christmas, Santa Claus. Okay. A Christmas story. Any Christmas movie that has a sequel is also a Christmas movie. Home Alone, right? You see what I'm saying? Those are Christmas movies. Gremlins is not. It is a action, or not action, like a comedy horror family movie where the first one just happens to take place during Christmas. Same way Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. just happens to take place during Christmas. That's my argument. Now, if the second Gremlins movie also took place during Christmas, then I would be like, yeah, maybe it's a Christmas franchise. Thoughts? If there's one thing I've learned on the Iron Right Tattoo podcast, <laughs> that uh, you have a right to an opinion. You also have a right to be wrong. I think my argument's <laughs> valid, you know? Mm. Now, if the second one was like... Let me see. If the second one took place during like Thanksgiving... Then I'd be like, yeah, those are holiday movies, you know? But that's not the case. What are you looking up? The what plot, what, what the Google gr- says about... What does it say? Is Grim, what'd you type? Is Gremlins a Christmas movie? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> You're reading it. And you haven't even seen the word Christmas yet, have you? It's Wikipedia. I don't count. Uh, then why did you use that as your source? <laughs> I didn't. Gremlins is not a Christmas movie. Your list is around, uh, allowed to have flaws and be wrong, you know? We don't talk about Gremlins 2, okay? Gremlins 1. What's your number two? Now, this is going to be a hot take because I think a lot of people, when they think of like favorite Christmas movies, they really want to go nostalgic. It's got to kind of be a certain age. You know, if it's too new, it doesn't count kind of thing. You know what I mean? Oh, I know it. Yeah, we've discussed this before. Yeah. 8-Bit Christmas is an excellent Christmas movie. I think it, it is. is. It's like an instant classic. You know, it's going to be one of those movies that I have to watch every year. It has like the same vibe of uh, a Christmas story. 100%. Or um, other movies that might be on my list in the number one <laughs> slot. But just the whole like that that story of like, person will go to any lengths to get X gift for Christmas. Yeah. I don't know why. I love that plot. You know what I mean? And it always turns into like this outlandish adventure film, Mm -hmm. you know, of all this crazy stuff that happens just so this gift can be had. But I feel like we've all had that moment in our own childhood where it was like, I'll literally do anything to get this one thing for Christmas. That's what makes it so relatable. And when it makes Um, it really relatable to me because I received the same gift as a child for Christmas. I had the original NES. It was a Christmas gift. And then when we got the Super NES, we gifted our OG NES to our cousins. Like, that was their Christmas, and we got the new one, and I always felt bad about that. (laughs) But, you know, YOLO. I played Bible Adventures on the OG NES. Really? That's a real game. It's tight. Sounds pretty tight. It's, it's crazy. There's like there's like platforming levels, but one of them is like you're trying to get 
baby Moses to the Nile River so you could throw him <laughs> in the river, you know? That's but, like, it's this whole platforming level where you're just trying to get to the river, and then at like, the end, you like just, like, fall. Yeah, you just, like, <laughs> chuck a baby in the river at the end, you know? <laughs> Bible Adventures was tight, dude. And we had this cool, uh, like, uh, it's like a volleyball game. You know, that was back when they were just making, like, generic-ass yeah. games, you know? Yeah, Bible Adventures, check it out. <laughs> I might have to stream that one. It's tight. What's your number two? If it's um, Die Hard, you're fired. No. <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. Neither is Gremlins. Gremlins is a Christmas movie. Then why does Gremlins 2 exist? Gremlins 2 was created by the studio years later. But if they valued Gremlins 1 as a Christmas movie, then they would have made Gremlins 2 a Christmas movie. It had too much Hollywood exec sauce. Oh, okay, over it. okay. Uh, my number two, you don't like it, but um, I've grown to love it more since I got older. Uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Like I said, it's a hundred percent. It is a Christmas movie. It's in the title. Yeah. Okay. I just don't like Chevy Chase. I I can I can understand that, but yeah. like the and the I'm sorry for anyone that does. Story in that movie is really sure good. sure, and I can understand why you like it. Like, that's very much a nostalgia thing, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, I just, uh, any of the National Lampoon things, any of them, I don't like. Well, I think after, like, the Chevy Chase era of uh-huh. National Lampoon, it kind of got, like, way too off the rails, like, too much oh, yeah. of that same era of, like, American trying Pie. To, yeah, trying yeah. to be American Pie. Every single which one of them. Which that movie I like, but, like, it was all like those. like National Lampoon's. Uh, dorm you know it was all like yeah, these weird college or, comedies or and the stuff. van wilder sequel nobody asked for <laughs> no but the first van wilder was tight. yeah i like, like that i one. think that's the only exception. is that a national lampoon movie yeah national lampoon van, van, van wilder, wilder yeah really yeah. i didn't know that um but that's to me that's a ryan reynolds movie like i don't view yeah. that as a national lampoon movie yeah you know um but yeah that movie uh it it grosses me and my mom out where he cuts the turkey and like he cuts it and it's just nothing but like fumes of gas coming out of the turkey. It's so gross. It's better than the scene in Van Wilder where they eat yeah. the donuts full of yeah dog. Anyway, <laughs> you want to count down our number one pick and say it together because I already know we got the same one. <laughs> we better three, two, two one, jingle, jingle all the way. way. Hey. Best Christmas movie ever made. Should What's we elaborate? The plot? Guy <laughs> has to get a Christmas gift and goes on a wild adventure to try to get it for his son by Christmas. Phil Great Hartman. casting. Yeah. Phil Hartman, rest in peace. He plays such a, a douchebag neighbor so well. Because <laughs> he was also a douchebag neighbor in Small Soldiers. <laughs> yeah. He's like the same character. Yo, fan theory we just <laughs> came up dude. with? Yeah. <laughs> Shared shared universe. Yep. Ted from Jingle All the Way uh, leaves the suburbs, moves to a different city, and is still a douchebag neighbor. <laughs> I mean, they're pretty close together too, like yeah. time wise. Uh, and he's he's literally the same character. I wonder what his name was in Small Soldiers. <laughs> if it's we'll Ted, look it up at yeah, I'm a hundred percent convinced. Um, but that shared, movie shared universe. Um, has the best, like, when you watch it as a kid, you see it from Jamie's perspective. But when you grow up to be an adult, you see it from Howard's perspective. Because you know, because you were that kid at one point. 
you wanted that hot toy. Sure. And you become a dad. You're like, dang, I want to make my kid happy. But life happens. You forget to get the toy. See, I see it from Howard's perspective in like, you know, Ted would be getting bodied <laughs> if he was talking to my wife like that. You know what I'm saying? You know where he's talking to Jamie on the phone? He's like, Jamie, where's your mother? <laughs> She's next door petting Ted. <laughs> what? <laughs> Spoiler alert. Ted is the reindeer's <laughs> name also. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, um, top five Christmas movies. Highly recommend that movie if you've never God. seen it. Have you seen the score it's gotten on like Rotten Tomatoes? It's like ho- no, I horrifically low, low, low rated. You don't trust critics. No. I will say, however, do not by any means watch Jingle All the Way 2 with Larry <laughs> the Cable Guy. I haven't even seen it. I'm like, I refuse. To watch I refuse, it. dude. I'm not want- going to. I'm going to Google it and see if it's still about Turbo Man. You know what I'd like to know? <clears throat> um, talk amongst yourself. <laughs> oh, man. Um, some honorable mentions. Uh, I will put a Muppets Christmas Carol in there. Um, yeah, along yeah, Along with yeah, Christmas yeah. with the I'm, Cranks. I'm with that 100%. Um, uh, so Jingle All the Way 2 actually came out. 18 years after the first one. First one is 1996. See, listen, this is that bullshit I'm talking about. Jingle all the way. It's not letting me. Okay. The first one, the critic score, 19%. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And even the audience score, 39%. These are people that are stuck so far up their own ass. It's bullshit. All of it. And Jingle All the Way too, uh, as the children would say, no cap, doesn't even have a critic score. Good. The critics did not even rate this movie. The audience score is a 30%, which is actually 9% lower than the OG. I cannot believe. I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> as, as the best Christmas movie ever made. It is. Sinbad. Yeah. You know? Like, man. If you have, if you have, if you, I had some clients in here. Hey, you know what, Cassie? I'm calling you out by name. Because it was her, right? I think I so. swear it was her. Who asked me when they saw this Turbo Man doll, and I call it a doll because that's what they call it in the movie. We all know it's an action figure. Under the Christmas tree, I was asked. Nestled safely. Is that Iron Man? <laughs> it says Turbo Man on the box. If you don't know who Turbo Man is, you can't call yourself a superhero fan. No. And if you want to find out who Turbo Man is, who is bilingual, by the way, (laughs) you need to watch the holiday classic, Jingle All the Way, starring an Austrian bodybuilder (laughs) who in every movie he has ever acted in no one acknowledges the fact that he is a bodybuilder with an Austrian accent. <laughs> He's just Donald the construction man or whatever, you know? Anyway. You also have Jake Lloyd, who played Anakin in episode one. I don't really, I don't really like Jake. Sinbad. Sinbad is... Uh, Phil Hartman, with some cameos uh-huh. from Jim Belushi. 
Mm-hmm. And Big Show. And uh, I don't know his body of work, but like the main cop. Yeah, he's in a lot of movies. He, well, he was some kind of, uh, I don't know. Like, I think he was like famous a long time ago kind of thing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I remember as a kid, my mom like mentioning who he was. So uh, it, it's something old people like, I guess. Uh, okay, I'm looking up the cast. So we got Schwarzenegger, Sinbad, Phil Hartman, uh, Rita Wilson. Okay. Robert Conrad. That's the that's the name of the the cop, cop guy. I don't know who that was. What's he? What? <clears throat> mm, yeah, he's he's been in a bunch of stuff that I've never heard of in my life. A lot of old stuff. And then there's Jingle All the Way, like in the middle of this. Yeah. Um. And on the topic of Turbo Man, you also. Tattooed a Turbo Man on my leg. That's true. I did. I did. It's Turbo time. <laughs> it does say that directly right there on the tattoo. Uh, so, you know, not the Christmasiest episode. No. We discussed doing this episode a week ago, and we said, yeah, we need to prepare for that. And then we showed up this morning <laughs> and had not prepared for it at all. What else is new? That's pretty much who we are as people. In a nutshell. But I'm still thankful for this season. Yes. Uh, I love Christmas. Yes. And uh, I hope everybody out there in internet land gets everything they want in in, uh, both gifts and, and just the desires of your heart. I hope everyone has the Christmas they want and deserve. You know, I hope you guys get to spend time with family. Technology's made the world a lot smaller. So even if you can't be there with your family, you can still make time to call them, FaceTime mm-hmm. them, whatever. You know what I mean? Try to remember uh, the reason for the season, as it were. <clears throat> whatever that reason is to you. It's different things to different people, you know. Be merry. Yeah. Be joyful. Be thankful. mm Go watch the last five minutes of the Thanksgiving episode if you're struggling for things to be thankful for. And then bring yourself back. And bring me a gift. (laughs) It is Christmas after all. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas, everyone. Peace. And later.